Welcome to the Check Yourself podcast. This is Leah Burkhart at Salem Health Hospital. Our guest today is Aaron Club. Aaron is an ACE certified personal trainer and fitness instructor. As is true with many of us, her work has been something of an evolution. She worked in horticulture. She traveled to Latin America, aiding people one-on-one in a social work capacity. Through it all, though, her love of exercise and movement remained a part of her. Ultimately, over time, she found a way to integrate her love of movement with her desire to help people. So many times in conversations about exercise, the emphasis is on fitness, as in how much weight did you lose? How much muscle did you gain? How many miles can you run? And while there's nothing wrong with any of that, what Erin brings to the table is a reminder to us that movement is so much more. Aaron's approach is more nuanced, functional, and I would argue more holistic. Aaron was at the top of her so-called fitness game, uh, training for an ambitious event, in fact, when she was diagnosed with cancer. She describes her journey and what was most essential to her recovery. Her experience with that took her already well-crafted ability to work with people and further honed it so that she could really meet people where they are at and partner with them. She now works with people of all ages and abilities. Her focus as it relates to exercise is not a one size fits all approach. Her focus is functional. And in her words, it's about putting the fun in functional so that people can create a relationship with movement that steps away from you know, no pain, no gain, and instead honors a philosophy of health, joy, and pragmatism. So with that, I bring you Aaron Club. Check Yourself, a health and wellness podcast aimed at helping you create your best life. Okay, so I'm here with Erin Club. Hi, Hi, Leah. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for your patience with me. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Okay, so why don't we start? uh, I'd love to start with you and just hear a little bit about uh, what is it that lights you up? What is it that you're here to talk about today? Well, exercise is what uh, we were just guessing talking about today and um, I, I just am so passionate about exercise it is so important to get the body moving and to help yourself feel better mm. how did you I'm just curious is it something you've always loved exercise or did you any form of exercise um, started with sports and getting into community sports so softball and volleyball and mm. then progressed to individual competition Um, doing Tough Mudders and doing the Reno Tahoe Odyssey in Northern Nevada and um, and then learning to play soccer later in life and playing on a community league doing that so yeah that's that's kind of I mean I got to tell you as a kid I hated sports I dreaded PE so (laughs) I'm, I'm always just mystified when someone says oh I loved sports ever since I was a kid it's like how? <laughs> Anything physical. I, I would do it. And even growing up on a farm here in Dallas, Oregon, and nine years old, we moved here from California and we had to buck bales all summer. And I was like, this is great. I mean, it was hard work, but. Interesting. And when you say, what, what does that entail? I mean, I know it sounds physical, but I actually don't know what that means. Oh, bucking bales? Yeah. No oh. idea. <laughs> so um, imagine a tractor um, has, you know, they've cut the hay and they turn it and so it dries and it doesn't mildew or anything and then you have to bale it so not only do we have to walk behind the baler because it would jam it was an old machine and we'd have to roll them out of the way so that when my dad would make the next pass um, my sisters and I were rolling bales out of the way so the tractor had enough width to get down the next row and then Mm -hmm. they sit for a a bit and then you have to go out and pick them up so we didn't have a, a mechanism like you'll see on some big farms this is a small operation, you know, my parents' farm. Mm-hmm. And so you have to grab the twine and you have to hitch it up and get it up onto the trailer and get on top of the stack as you're riding around the fields and try not to <laughs> fall through the bales and break an ankle. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, nine when we moved up here. Nine years old? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, and we did that until I was in high school and then my parents converted the hay fields into a vineyard. So. And then was there anything 
because labor intensive you had to do with the vineyard? Honestly, we go out there for the harvest every year. Um, when we lived in Nevada, it wasn't as easy. Um, occasionally, I'd be able to come up and help out, but then we had children and it became more of a challenge to get up here. But sure. now that we're back in the area, we're there every fall for harvest. So for you, physical movement was almost, it was like integrated with family. Like it wasn't yeah. just like your dad said, and now you will go run laps. Oh, no. <laughs> Not unless I maybe do something wrong. That's <laughs> a punishment. Yeah. I well, love it. Yeah. Late to practice, so you got extra laps. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't remember my dad actually ever doing that. But yeah, it was always uh, time together. And, mm. you know, sometimes it was a late night on the farm working. But, mm. I mean, it was also peaceful. Like there's mm. nothing like, like, I don't know. I just love the outdoors, too. So. Mm-hmm. So then how did, uh, so like you're, you're a kid, you're outdoors, and then how did that translate into sports? Did you just, was it personally you were just curious and you went for it? Did a parent help you? Like how did you get into sport, or organized sports? Well, I, I think I was kind of a little down. We had just moved back, or up here, sorry, from California, and I didn't know anybody, and I think my mom wanted to help me meet other kids, so mm-hmm. she... You know, Kids Incorporated softball, thought that would be a good starting point, and then I became um, involved in a traveling team in the summers, and so I played from, what, that summer I turned 10, I think, until, well, I played even rec leagues when, after my husband and I got married. We played for his hospital oh. team down in Nevada, so... So then how was it, like, how did that then translate into a career? Well, I have always loved exercise, um, lifting weights with a passion, love, love um, lifting heavy weights. Like I bench pressed my body weight my senior year of high school. Like that was something that I was like, that's awesome. Like I just, I knew I could do it and I just Mm -hmm. worked hard at it. And um, anyway, I I love it. Anything you feel like the adrenaline rush from it. Uh And I, I felt so good afterwards. Like you never regret exercise. So I never did. Yeah. Yeah. So then it's almost like it was like this evolution where it's it's starting off it's part of your family dynamic, then you're into more of an organized sport arena, then you just discover lifting and weights. Yeah. And so it's almost like that then translated. Did that just go directly into you wanting to work with others on exercise or was um, it, did you always know you wanted to work in this field? I never really knew I could make a living at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. So in college, I, I grew up on a farm. I um, enrolled as a horticulturalist, a horticulture major at Oregon State, and then went through, went to Chemeketa to figure out what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and not, not waste money at the university. So got my AA degree there, and while I was studying Spanish and general studies, I mm-hmm. got a trip to, or chance to go to Ecuador and um, worked doing social work with nuns, helping people in the streets of Quito. And that changed my world. Um, I realized I wanted to work more with people than plants. (laughs) And so um, I just changed, I decided then that I would re-enroll at Oregon State as a sociologist, maybe teach or just keep my options open and then kept studying Spanish. So that's my minor. Um, And then when graduated from Oregon State, got married, met my husband during this time and then we moved to Nevada for his job. They were opening a brand new hospital down there and he's in radiology, a, a rad tech. And I started working for the state of Nevada down there in um, the welfare division as an um, intake specialist and helping people access welfare benefits and other social services and then um, promoted to mental health, which is another passion of mine. and. There's always been a correlation between good mental health or poor mental health and the amount of exercise that you're doing. I knew the direct positive correlation for me and just how good I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd always wanted to do personal training like as a side gig when I was in college, but I had to pay bills. So I worked, sure. I was actually slinging burritos at Senior Sam's <laughs> Mexican Grill in Corvallis <laughs> and uh, loved that too. I mean, everything's an experience, but I got to speak my Spanish there and. I got to get a free meal every shift as a college student, which is, you know, pretty important. And then, um, uh, yeah, just working for the state of Nevada and then um, became a stay-at-home mom when we started our family. Wow. And then from there, realized... How many children do you have? I have two. Two? How old are they right now? Well, now they're eight and 11. Hmm. So, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, started our family in Nevada, came um, back here after um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer um, to be closer to family up here. Yeah, how long, I mean, how long was the healing process for that? From uh, diagnosis to where you were given the, the green light, if ever there was a green light to be given? Well, um, that's an that's a interesting concept, right? Because having mm-hmm. had cancer, to even think that you're okay yeah. is it seems like impossible. Um, you always wonder, or you're always getting checks, but now those checks are more infrequent. Um, they're spread out more. Treatments are done. Like mm-hmm. March, I finished my last infusion actually here at. Salem Health, and so that was pretty monumental for my family and me. That was a really good feeling. Wow. Because that's been a process. That was 2014, and here we are, 2021. Um, So it gets stretched out. I mean, talk about an extraordinary amount of strength that must have required pretty much all of your resources in terms of you mentioned you're passionate about mental health Mm -hmm. and physical health, and so it's sort of all coming to a head with this process? I was very blessed to be working where I worked in Nevada. Um, When I was diagnosed, I was a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband was working, but I still kept in contact with the rural clinics staff that I worked with, and um, they were there for me no matter what. In fact, when I was ready to start doing something with, with meaning for myself, they invited me back as a contractor to come work and just do contract case management as a psychiatric caseworker for the state of Nevada. And then they'd shoot me a, a text or, or reach out by email or phone call and just check in on me. And so we had a really good network down there. Wow. Is that what you were asking? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so in terms of like staying connected with folks. Yeah. That's And that was in Nevada, though. Yes. So yeah. in Carson City. So even when you moved back here to be close to family, they were still staying connected and saying, you know, hey, if you're still on our radar, yeah. we care about you. Um, yeah. In fact, that's the great thing about social media is um, people can follow you on Facebook or just check in. Or um, I've even had people say they're, they're coming up here to go to the Oregon coast and any chance I could swing by and see them, you know, for lunch or something. So it's those, those are um, relationships that, that don't easily fall away you know mm-hmm. how has that experience impacted the way you work with people if at all cancer yeah um I have always been compassionate towards people um I think it gives me more insight mm-hmm. and um I'm definitely more patient and understanding with myself and then how that how I work with other people but um, I think it this might sound odd but it was just kind of a um, I don't know what the word is sorry no that's up. Okay. yeah <laughs> no problem I'm trying to think but um it's still a sensitive subject but Absolutely. Um, what was your question again sorry well I guess <laughs> In my mind, it's so often the case that when people are seen um, as a wellness professional, Mm. there's this sense that they must be impervious (laughs) to tragedy or to illness or like you're, you're, there's a, I I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I know, you know, there's an assumption of, oh, well, it's different for you. Right. You don't get it. No, I, okay, I get what you're saying now. And I can imagine that having gone through that experience, your ability to connect with people would have been impacted in some way. And that also, I mean, I can, uh, personally, so I'm a person who's coming to you. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say you just told me uh, I'm, a, I, I'm a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. I help people, you know, master their bodies or however, whatever your tagline is. And my initial response to that internally would be like, oh, cool, you're going to be this professional and you're, again, impervious to all things illness. The minute you tell me, oh, I'm also someone who has survived cancer mm-hmm. and I'm still going and I'm, you know, I'm still in the process of moving through that. I'm going, th- that's going to hit me hard, but in a good way where it's like, oh, you're a human. Like you're going to, so when I feel weak or vulnerable, 
you might get me in a different way. So that's just going to be my experience of you. If like that for me as a person who might want to work with you, mm-hmm. I'm going to sink a lot more deeply into trusting you. Well, and I would hope can. I would hope that would be the natural course of things when I meet people. But I, I guess part of my insecurity is that once I share that piece, then are they going to think, well, it didn't help her or, you know, it didn't, um, whatever that might be, or maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, she's still working through her stuff. She doesn't have it figured out. That, that's that oh. stuff that can play through my mind sometimes. I so, can relate to that. Yeah. You know, anytime it's sort of like, um, Almost like I'm a fraud or something. It's like, yes. yeah, like you're a nutritionist and they're like, you must never eat sugar. You must never. Ha- yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I think you that's must a- love exercise all the time, Erin, <laughs> yeah. like that. And I'm like, my body hurts. Like, <laughs> yes. Well, and this is the thing, like, I think it's the shadow side of wellness, to be quite honest. Yes. Like the upside yeah. to wellness. This is what the reason I fell in love with it. Yeah. Is it takes some of the power away from the medical arena. Yeah. And gives it back and says, you know, you have a role to play in, you know, you can influence your health outcomes. Mm-hmm. You can't control it, but mm-hmm. you can influence it. And the things you do has power. Absolutely. I think the shadow side of it is, oh, did you get sick? it must be your fault. Mm. You didn't eat enough broccoli. You didn't meditate enough. You didn't sleep well enough. You didn't, oh, are you a childless woman? Well, that's why you got breast cancer. Oh, Mm. did you take birth control? Well, that's why, I mean, you name it. Mm. And because I think people are just desperate to feel like, oh, well, as long as there's an explanation for your tragedy, that means it won't touch me. Yeah. When the reality is, Nutritionists love burgers just as much as anyone else. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many healthcare practices you have, we are still living in human bodies yes. that, that fail us or, or not fail us because that's not even necessarily the right verbiage, but it can feel that way. Yeah. Like we still get prognoses and diagnoses that don't always make perfect sense. We aren't invincible. Yeah. Um, when I was diagnosed, um, I was at the top of my game. I was running the Reno Tahoe Odyssey. I was training for it. So I was running daily doubles where you run, you know, a four mile run in the morning and maybe a two mile run at night. I was trying to, I had this goal. And that's another Mm -hmm. thing that I use a lot with my clients is a goal, like something that you can work towards that's measurable. Um, Mm -hmm. But I uh, wanted to also touch on the fact that um, because of that, I injured myself. (laughs) Oh, no. So I, I sustained a knee injury, right? But I had this nagging lump in my in my breast. I thought it was a clogged duct. I had just finished nursing my son, mm-hmm. who was a one, one and a half at the time. And my husband's like, you just need to take care of yourself. Just get it checked out. So I got an MRI on my knee, right? And it was a cyst. It was clear, but I it still hurt. So I had to pull out of the RTO, uh, Reno Tahoe Odyssey, at the, that year, 2014. And I went ahead and went to get my um, breast checked by my OB and the, it just unraveled from there. So Whoa. like immediately had both kids in tow that day. Like I just have this clogged duct. Can you just check it out? And she's like, I don't feel it. And it was pretty much almost the whole breast. And so she sent me right over an ultrasound. And then right from there, she got me in to see a surgeon. That's like the next minute, you know, went straight from their office to the Whoa. surgeon's office. Um, and my husband worked in healthcare. He, that was his hospital network that he worked in. He was in an on, on-site um, surgery center mm-hmm. um, within the hospital network there on campus. That was the word I was looking for. And because of that, he knew every doctor. Um, so he knew which surgeon he wanted me to see. He went right down the hallway to his uh, breast specialist and was talking to her about it. And um, they got me in to see a different surgeon that they preferred. and my husband, I, I mean, it was just like this progression of, um, so in an unfortunate diagnosis, I had such great fortune. If that is even like possible. I would say it's, at least in my experience, in my most difficult life experiences I've ever had, um, there are the times in my life where I've had to stop. And I always, I pride myself in being, I mean, we're, we're American women. So it's, I got this. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there are times in life where I don't got this. Mm-hmm. And those are the moments where when I've had to reach out for help and say, I'm, I'm really like the struggle is real right now. And I'm, I'm out of my I, I'm tapped out. I have no resources left. Can you help me? 
and the experience of someone hearing it and not just saying, yeah, okay, sure, but leaping to help and saying, are you kidding me? I've been waiting this whole time. (laughs) I am desperate to help you. Mm. I would love to help you. And to feel held like that. Mm. Um, I don't know that there is anything that will pull at the gratitude strings harder than that moment of, oh, like I don't have to always got this. Yeah. To be vulnerable yeah. with people and um, to need people to that point because I'm the same way. I'm a doer. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, honestly, this is how it goes. If the sink breaks, if I can't figure it out when my husband's at work before he gets home, then he'll take a look at it and then, you know, but darn it, I'm going to try and get it fixed, you know? <laughs> so, um, and, and maybe that's just growing up on a farm and knowing how to change my oil and, I remember work, when I worked for the state, work, driving in the rural areas, in Silver Springs, Nevada, you know, blowing a tire in a state van on the side of a two-lane highway in what I learned later not to wear dress clothes, you know. <laughs> you go for, like, khakis and a, and, a, and a blouse. You don't wear, like, slacks, you know. <laughs> so I'm under the van jacking it up, and I got the tire chained. Anyway, but um, there's something about knowing how to do those things, and I want my daughter, our daughter, to know how to do those things. Our son, too, of course, but, you know, um, to, be, to be able to do for yourself is important, but also to be humbled enough to accept help. And what I learned is that it's the, you allow people, you, you bless them when you allow them to serve you mm-hmm. because a lot of times they're standing back helpless. Mm-hmm. They hear the news, too, and you realize how many people love you. Yeah. And just really want to be there for you. So when if you can, I had to switch that mind frame yeah. or the mindset and say, this is an opportunity, although I feel vulnerable in it, and I, I don't like the word weak. Right. But I, I do need the help. I had a toddler. My daughter needed to get to preschool, and I needed to rest, and I needed, you know, this, I needed that. My husband needed help, and he still had to go to work, and he was dealing with the emotional stress of this, you know, diagnosis and my treatment and stuff. And physical changes and everything so yeah what I mean talk about I mean I know you said you don't like the word weak but all I'm thinking of is the amount of strength that must have taken not just to go through the process but to be able to say things like you know what yes when people offer you help like I can help you do you want some help it's like as a matter of fact yes and that's what I learned that that is strength too um I kind of I operate in that I'm a doer. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I got this kind of thing, right? Typical American woman. Whatever you want to say. Yeah, sure. Um, coming from a point of, of um, just being able to. I am mm-hmm. able. I'm capable to um, saying, okay, it's okay to accept help. It's okay to need it. And um, I do need it. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, and as you say, it can be a gift. And yeah. I imagine it's almost inside again I'm making a whole lot of assumptions here but I'm just imagining that it would have to have an impact on the way, whatever the the way you're working with people mm-hmm. minute to minute uh, whether it's you know when you were talking about um, helping people uh, as more of like a social worker role mm-hmm. or, or helping people with their physical exercise to be able to really hold the space when someone's weak and I mean that in the you know uh, literal sense mm-hmm. as well as the metaphorical when they're, they're looking at you going I'm feeling like a total sissy lala right now mm-hmm. please don't watch me do this thing because I really suck at it and some people can say no it's okay don't worry but you can really say and be like listen <laughs> I even if you don't tell them your story mm-hmm. the way you hold the space has got to be like no 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 but really though I get it I know what it is to like I, please let me help you and please don't be ashamed yeah, and it's let me help you help you. Like, mm-hmm. like, I want them to, I'm a teacher. Like, mm-hmm. that's what, um, I help people access the tools that they need. And I did that mm-hmm. through mental health, and I do that as a personal trainer. I, my goal is not to have somebody need me for the rest of their life. The best gift that I could get as a personal trainer is to see somebody say, or have somebody say, you know, because of your guidance, mm-hmm. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And, and then, like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, push them out of the nest and let them go kind of thing. And that, that's, anyway, that's a beautiful moment for me. Absolutely. I, and the answer may be no to this question, but I'm just kind of curious. Did movement, was movement a part of you moving through the healing process for you? Like, was that an all, 
at all helpful for you? Absolutely. Um, I was told that I couldn't pick up my son. I had a double mastectomy, mm-hmm. um, was going through chemo and then re- reconstruction. And anyway, so five months of chemo and then another year of infusions. And with the surgeries and everything, I had this basically a baby and mm-hmm. he, I couldn't lift him out of his crib. Mm-hmm. So I, I found ways to use use my foot to hitch him to my knee to get my knee up here so I could like swing him into the crib or um you know doing things in a creative way but with um movement I had been training for this Reno Tahoe Odyssey I was in the best physical shape probably of my life at the time I I was set up to to fight this fight uh-huh. physically I had a personal trainer on board and he was with me through treatment. I was able to go and still work out. Now, I had to accept that I wouldn't be able to perform at the same level I was doing before. Mm-hmm. But just that that continuity and mm-hmm. that camaraderie I had with him and then with this small group of women that I was training with with him and other, other stay-at-home moms. Mm-hmm. So I'd do some one-on-ones and we'd do some small group training. and just to be a part of that and not lose that, but to keep that connection, that community going was so important for me, mm-hmm. for my well-being, um, my mental health, my physical health, and it did keep me stronger. Mm-hmm. There were days I didn't feel it, but I still went and I could do what I could do. Mm-hmm. And I still was like, like I said, I've never regretted going, right? <laughs> never regretted a workout. Um, but I would I would have sat at home and been like, darn it, Aaron, you know, you would have felt better if you went, even if you just go and talk. Or even mm-hmm. if you just you're there and you're walking on the treadmill and they're lifting the weights, whatever it was I could do, mm-hmm. sit on the recumbent bike. But um, that was very important, and that is the piece that when I came up here to Oregon, mm-hmm. and um, the, I started working at the YMCA here because I knew through college that I wanted to be a personal trainer or help other people on a path towards their own personal success with whatever that looked like for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and YMCA had the Listrong program, and that was working with cancer survivors. And so that's the piece that got me involved. So I had just gotten, I knew I wanted to be a personal trainer, and here was this program. I had my certification in hand. Um, right when we moved up here, I, I uh, tested out and got certified with ACE, and then um, went into the YMCA, cold called them. I actually called Texas to the Listrong program to find out where they taught this program and they said they're actually doing it at the Salem YMCA and so I walked in there and uh, kind of the rest is history and then that turned into Parkinson's exercise and um anyway god sorry that was like (laughs) no don't be sorry well because here's the thing like so many times when people talk about exercise nine times out of ten it's how do I get six-pack abs Mm. Um, how do I look pretty, yeah. which there's nothing wrong with wanting to look pretty, like not, no judgment to anyone who's just like, I want to feel like a million bucks. And I think exercise will help me do that. Awesome. And I think the assumption is that exercise is always about fitness. Like mm. how fit are you? How, how many reps can you do? And that's one of the things that for me actually has turned me off mm. or turned me off for many years. Cause as a kid, I didn't, the only exposure I got to exercise was PE mm-hmm. and no offense to PE teachers, but the ones that I got exposed to didn't make me fall in love with exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Like, okay. Shocking. Like, and now you will do the mile run. And it was like, <laughs> you know, bum, bum, bum. Like, it was awful. Um. I didn't want to do it. So I, um, when I first was trying to learn to get into exercise, it was vanity. I'm like, I was a teenage girl who was mm. just like, well, I'm pudgy. I don't feel great. I want to get into movement. Uh, and then I sort of bullied myself into falling in love with it. It was a very strange, it sort of it was a love-hate thing. And then the more I started to move, the more I realized, oh, this doesn't have to suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, this can actually help me create a better relationship to my body. And then I went into like a holistic health graduate program and I remember one of the classes was like moving and sensing and it was all these different like other avenues and the way she repainted what it that means to move your body it was sort of like this is what your body is designed to do and whether it's a tribal dance whether it's um you know more of the staccato movements whether it's exercise in the classic sense mm-hmm. like this is a thing that this is kind of a sacred partnership that you're having with your body every time that you're in movement and that was sort of mind-blowing of, oh, 
movement can be healing Mm -hmm. movement can be gentle movement can be meditative movement can be anything you want it to be and so for like for me to hear about a you know you're saying like sorry we kind of went all over the place but this is i think what people need to hear the most is that exercise doesn't have to mean can you run a mile in seven minutes right yeah (laughs) like how how many pounds can you lift and it's like i don't know how to what does that matter what do you need to be able to lift 50 pounds for versus Mm -hmm. i just had a double mastectomy and i have a toddler i need to figure out how to get this toddler lifted yeah and it's like being able to work with someone so that they can live like being able to move now is somehow equated to can i can i live is equated to how can i move it's got to have function to it you know um, or be functional uh i i love watching um people move and and seeing them have less pain in their daily life seeing them be able to engage with their family in more meaningful ways Mm -hmm. because they're doing the appropriate exercises they need to do to have the ability to move their body in that way Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying that you have to go and play soccer with your grandkids you know but if you can get up and down off the floor with them without pain or, you know, causing injury or something, (laughs) that would be awesome. So I work with, you know, seniors, I work with cancer survivors, and I work with stay-at-home moms, anybody that's in, honestly, we all have something going on, right? Yeah. So, like, corrective exercise is, it's like um, a puzzle piece, you know. I love um, using functional fitness and and, uh, specific exercises that are going to help people improve their quality of life, like that that's like my my joy if and so I and I looked at it that way when I worked in mental health too that you're people with a diagnosis but that's only part of the picture mm-hmm. it's just like somebody that's like well I have obesity or I have heart disease or I'm aging or um, I just you know had a baby whatever it is that's a piece of the puzzle and then we get to like put it all together mm-hmm. and it's it's fun I don't know. I would just say, and I joke with my my class with this too. I say, we're putting the fun in function. Let's do this. (laughs) Yes. And they're rolling their eyes at me like, oh. Well, yeah, especially if they're right in the middle of the exercise. (laughs) Like, F you, Aaron. (laughs) Here's another set. (laughs) (laughs) Just right, you're halfway done, folks. I hate you. (laughs) Just kidding. When I, you know, I love that you're connect like the connection between the the mind and body. I mean, it's all one, oh, yeah. right? But yeah. we've separated it in our own minds. But you know, there's a gal that I work with is that like sort of a private client, and she she's going through a tough time. You know, she's she's in a relationship that she is trying to get out of, so she needs to move. But that she also has to make it match her finances, mm-hmm. and she has mm-hmm. health conditions. Just all this stuff is going on, and she's so frustrated with herself because she's like, well, I only looked at one place this week. That's all I could do. And I've only packed one box and I know I need to get out. And I just feel, insert all of the down, depressed, mm-hmm. sad, you know, heavy emotions here. She said, I know I'm, I'm just failing. And it's like, mm. you're, you know, you're not failing. You're just mad that you're not going 60 miles an hour because you're in a spot you don't like Yeah. when you're, con- you're only going five miles an hour, but you're carrying a 150 pound metaphorical weight on your back. Yeah. You can't go, like, you know, she's saying, I know I could go faster. And it's like, I don't think you can. <laughs> like, Well, and would you be successful if you did? Yes. Would you get, would you get the best results, whatever that is, if mm-hmm. you hit the ground running and went, you know. Yeah. False. <laughs> well, I'm just, I don't think yeah. I have to edit that yeah. out. But you know totally. what I'm saying? Like, yes. Um, because and that's, the, that's another thing that people, uh, you know, they can get burnt out doing that too. Like, you get so excited about something and then you go 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 or you're maybe doing it in an inappropriate application maybe you're you're doing you're talking about um mm-hmm. lifestyle changes right mm-hmm. i i was talking about exercise just now but do a workout we well, don't want to do that two three four days in a row you've also got to rest and incorporate in stretch and flex and you need to do you know or just walk on your off day that kind of thing to break it up otherwise you can find yourself in burnout or injury yeah. Which leads to more frustration, and then that's just that cycle repeating itself, right? Yeah. You came in with an injury. We, we got you feeling you're now out of that. You're recovered. Um, you're back. Your stamina's back, and then you were like, yay, and you just go, <laughs> you know, and then you injure yourself again. So, yeah. yeah. want to avoid that cycle. <laughs> well, and I'm thinking, too, uh, 
of a conversation that took place between uh, a, a mommy to be and a, a veteran mother. <laughs> you know, okay. and she's like, you know, the, you know, hey, you totally got this. You know, because all new mommies are going to be nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, you know, honestly, in this great, this new mommy to be with, uh, is an athlete, or you know, has been working out, just doing mm-hmm. all that. And she said, well, this is great because it's going to help you. And she's like, I don't mean that in the sense that oh, your fitness level will mean that your pregnancy will be a breeze. But she said, um, you know, when you're giving birth, the, pro- the hard thing about labor is not just that the labor itself, it's that you have to do the most amount of work when you are the most exhausted. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing that exercise can be tremendously helpful with because you might feel that way when you're running a marathon or what, you know, in whatever feat that you're trying to conquer. Hitting the wall. Yes. Yeah. And feeling like, it, and that exercise piece, like mm-hmm. it's almost for me, I've noticed, if I've gotten practice doing that level of exercise, that translates into how I navigate other challenges in life, mental, emotional, all, you know, professional. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I have a taste of what it feels like to be uncomfortable and figure out how to pace it yeah. and move through that. And it's like, I feel like that's a skill that once you figure that out in any sphere of your life, you can translate it into, into a different one. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a process. It's, it is not like you just cut the ribbon or you like, you know, race through the finish line with childbirth or with anything. <laughs> um, I often tell people, I'm like, and how long have you been doing this? Well, you've been pregnant for, you know, nine and a half months or uh-huh. you, you know, and before that you're probably planning it, maybe trying and that takes energy, mental, you know, stamina and physical um, health as well to be healthy enough to conceive and carry a child and everything. So it didn't happen overnight. Uh-huh. So the, the birth or even the process of through, um, exercise working towards your goal isn't going to happen overnight. It's a process, but, mm-hmm. um, the journey is part of the fun. You learn about yourself through it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just like to be alongside as kind of like that vessel or the guide mm-hmm. and help people get there. Um, the worst thing you could do as a trainer is, step in and say, I see you and this is what you can do. This is what you can be or this is what I think, you know, it's, uh-huh. I, so the best thing and most important thing that I do is I listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hear where they're coming from and sometimes it's not exactly clear. They maybe don't understand what their goal is. They just know they want to feel better. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then we have to like strip back those layers and without, and I used to do that in mental health as a psychiatric caseworker, you know, mm-hmm. and that goes towards symptomology with their diagnosis and then trying to figure out, okay, is there medication imba- imbalance? Is there lifestyle change? Is there something environmental going on? And then I can use that with exercise clients as well. Mm-hmm. So just, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm thinking too, you use the word like the sort of like that diagnosis part of it. I'm thinking of the logistical side of exercise. It For you, do you have a... It, is it almost kind of like you have a prescription, like with a pharmacist, they've got all these drugs that they can give and like, oh, you have this problem. Well, I have this drug for you. Is there a quality like that with exercise? Like, oh, well, for the thing that you're looking for, you probably want to do more cardio or more strength training, or is it more um, artistic? Like, it- I like to think I'm an artist. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's part of that listening piece. Like I... I've seen some gyms where you go in as a personal trainer and they give you um, basically a cookie cutter workout to do with your client. The first ones that come in, can you get those freebie sessions or something? Mm-hmm. And that never appealed to me. So when I got started at the YMCA, I made sure. I said, what do I get to, what freedom, what, you know, I mean, um, liberties do I get as a exercise specialist or as a personal trainer? Mm-hmm. And they're like, do it. Like you're certified. You do what you think is, is necessary. One piece I use is assessment. I assess as long as the, the client is interested in the information, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't be relevant if I assess them for something that they have no interest in improving, right? Mm-hmm. But if um, uh, with those tools, the assessment tools, that helps paint that picture too. So then I can get into real appropriate exercise for that person. Sure, you can say, um, I want to build up leg and um, glute strength, you know? Okay, well, here's this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. But that person's going to have possibly... Um, tendonitis, arthritis, uh, knee condition, and now we need to get creative and come up with those modified exercises. And I I even hesitate using modification because it has a negative connotation. People think that they're not doing the real exercise, Mm -hmm. right? So I get to get creative in how I describe it or how I'm explaining it. (laughs) 
So I'm like, okay, so instead of a straight squat, now we're going to do um, you know, a side step push back to stand or whatever, working our way up to a squat. And then when they can squat, they're like, oh, I didn't know I could do that kind of thing. Yeah, so, so it's not so much modification as it is customization. Customization, that's a good word. Like it's, it's the difference between going to a shopping mall and saying, well, I need a pair of jeans and selecting from a, the sizes that are kind of close-ish mm-hmm. and going to a tailor and them tailoring an outfit to you. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And also, if it's somebody that has absolutely no desire to lift weights, or mm. absolutely an aversion to certain <laughs> things, or they got hurt doing something once, you know, you have to listen to that and, again, use creativity to come up with alternative exercises that they can actually be successful with. Because if you give them... Um, uh, I can't, like, I don't use the word prescription. I don't prescribe it. But if I... Um, assign them a workout to do or a recommendation uh, and they don't do it mm-hmm. I have helped no one right <laughs> and my and my goal is to help so I don't I I mean that is a setup for failure you know absolutely so, anyway it really matters um everybody's so different I mean you talk mm-hmm. to one person and they might have similar diagnosis but one person really enjoys walking and one person wants to lift weights and so mm-hmm. anyway nothing is it's Nothing is um, universal, if that makes sense. It's sure. very specialized, yeah. What would you say, regardless of the exercise that someone's doing, like if someone were to come to you and they're not an exerciser, or they, they just like, oh, God, moving, please don't make me do that. Um, and they say to you, okay, well, I'm, I'm on the fence. I might be able to be convinced. But what's in it for me? Why should I bother exercising? What do, what do I think? What am I going to get out of it? Mm. What would be your answer? Well, go back a step and mm-hmm. and we we've, we've gone through our goals right mm-hmm. and those are the client's goals okay. like so they want to ask me what they're going to get out of it i would refer back to their goals mm-hmm. and say well your goal is to do this this right now might not look like we're working toward that goal but when we do this we build on it okay these are all mm-hmm. skills that we're going to build on to achieve that performance that you want whatever it is like the grand event mm-hmm. or um and the, these things need to be done. Like I always say, straighten before you strike them. Because mm-hmm. if I were to load you up and you're not in good posture or you don't have good core control or anything like um, you could set yourself up for injury or be miserable, mm-hmm. right? So uh, yeah, I think absolutely. that answered it. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, and I'm... It's, it, I'm so used to people saying, oh, well, here, let me give you the checklist of all the... Here's an example. It will It'll improve your sleep and it will improve your... It, it, it produces endorphins, so it will improve your mental health. Like, I'm used yeah. to a checklist, and your approach is much more just, okay, well, let's scrap all of that. What do you want? Absolutely. Like, like, what are you hoping to get out of anything that you change that you make in your life in any capacity? And then we'll go from there. And so whatever they tell you, if they say, well, I'm in a lot of pain and I, mm-hmm. I'd like for the pain to be less or well, I have insomnia and my doctor told me I should exercise more or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, that will help me. If it's insomnia, I'm sure not going to tell you to do this great workout at 8 p.m. Um, yeah. If it's pain that we're working with, well, then I want to help you strengthen what's around wherever the pain is. And avoid the pain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, you know, so sort of like, oh, every time I do this, it really hurts. Don't do like, that. Yeah, well, maybe don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, an option. That's another reason I got a secondary certification as an orthopedic exercise specialist. So I can work with mm-hmm. people with chronic conditions with pain and work around it and still have those improvements in the areas of life that they're working, they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a safe way, like safety always number one. And that's, that's probably created um, a challenge for me um, in online training mm-hmm. just through COVID that I'm now needing to screen and assess all these things on, on a screen, you know? That has got to be, yeah. So how has... COVID changed the way you work? Other than the obvious, you have to do it through a screen. Like what, what have you noticed your biggest takeaways from having to revamp your whole work style to accommodate COVID? Um, I have become really, a really good techie in helping people work <laughs> out the bugs in their systems so mm-hmm. that like we can get the cameras on and get the mic working. Um, you know, I might have some creative sign, signs that I do because they can't hear me yet or, you know, and I'm like, the chat, you know, down there. <laughs> well, really good at sign language. Not really, but yeah. <laughs> um, so 
that's part of it. And then um, structuring all of my workouts so that I know they're safe. Like I go through the things that I would do. And my stomach's growing because I'm hungry. So oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. But, um, you can cut that part out. <laughs> but um, when I walk into a space as a trainer, whatever I'm going to be doing with my client um, or asking them to do, I need to make sure that it's clean, it's safe, everything's set up. Um, you know, there's no risk of injury or any hazards in the area, right? That's just, you do like a scan and you go through your equipment and stuff. So I don't have that ability to do that online. So I need to develop a program that can be done within six feet, which we're all used to six feet. We know what six <laughs> yeah. feet is right now, right? Yeah, I'll say. But that way I can see that in their camera, I can see them. Mm -hmm. And then I go through like, okay, we're going to check our floor for any cords, any rugs, anything like that, make sure everything's moved out of the way. That's just the, the setup for classes. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of all these things. And then the exercises themselves, watching mm -hmm. the people move and then being able to give a modification cue um, when they're in it or um, having to be really di direct with my uh, verbiage mm -hmm. and the cues I use. Because in class, I can show them things and stuff, but I'm on a little screen for them, right? <laughs> yes. So it, I really have to work on my word choice. And anyway, these are all just things that I've really expanded on this year. Well, and I'm just thinking, you know, what have you noticed too about uh, what people are telling you as it relates to how COVID has impacted their lives? And uh, this question is not phrased well, but here's the chain that I'm looking at. It's like, here comes COVID. And there's now we're all kind of cloistered at home. We're yeah. not as active, but it's also very subtle. Like it's not necessarily the case that everybody all at once went, oh, I'm not exercising as much, but it might've been more gradual where it's like, I can just go to the g g g mm -mm. No, I can't do that. Mm -mm. Well, I'll just take the stairs if we're, oh no, I don't want to work anymore. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll walk the dog, question mark. Like, and so is there, so finally enough time passes where they realize, whoa, I legit have not been moving my body for X number of months. Mm -hmm. So they come to you and they say, okay, here are my challenges. What are the biggest challenges that people are often coming to you with that are maybe COVID specific? Um, ooh, that's a very good question. Uh, COVID specific questions. Well, I think everybody's anxiety has gone up. We went through a very, um, traumatic year as a country like yeah. you know with um social issues and political issues and um, people were stuck at home and i think when that happens a lot of people just kind of zip it up they like mm -hmm. they feel like they um, can't right there's all these restrictions not thinking outside the box was something that i think people realize oh i can still go down the street i can still walk i can you know what i'm saying like just yeah. actually realizing that you still have those freedoms and it's good for you to actually do those things. Um, walk your dog. Now our dogs, our pets have like thrived through this because we've all been <laughs> at home, right? I know yes. mine has. Um, but uh, so the situational anxiety and depression that has um, just catapulted this last year, that's yeah. one thing. And then helping people within the space they have. So yeah, they can't go to a gym and work out. So I'm like, what do you have at home? Mm -hmm. You know, you got soup cans, you got milk jugs. What do, what do you have we can work with? And you got your body weight. Let's just be honest. We can do a ton of things with yourself, you know, yeah. and still um, see gains. But a lot of it is we're all in these devices. We're at home. We're sitting, which is terrible for us. That's the new smoking, right? Yeah. We're sitting for hours and then we get up and we sit some more to watch TV at the end of the night, right? Because we're afraid to go outside. I don't know what it is, but also um, I'm seeing posture issues like skyrocket. So people are just rounded. They're kyphotic. They're like head is sloped forward. You know what I'm saying? Like they, uh -huh. they're having issues uh, with posture and yeah. alignment. So that's something that I really work with people on. Yeah, it makes sense. And I'm also thinking too, because the way we started the conversation, one of the most powerful elements that you brought to the table of like, you know, in terms of the gratitude you were able to express was I still had my people, mm -hmm. I had my, like my tribe, my community, and people were coming out of the woodwork to say, what, Aaron, you need help? Hold up, shut the front door. I got this, like, let me help you. And I know for, you know, just in terms personally, as well as professionally, that you know, when stress, the stress response kicks into the, in the body, 
it's true. We produce cortisol and mm-hmm. adrenaline and blah, 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 all the things, like the flight or flight. But we also, also produce oxytocin, which is the, you know, you know this, but mm-hmm. the cuddle hormone. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, for all of us, we were in this really cockamamie situation where everything about what was going on in terms of how stressed we all felt would ordinarily catapult us to want to move, mm-hmm. to fight something off, and to connect with our with our people. And we were legitimately being cut off from those. Yeah. Um, like, nope, don't leave your house. Oh, great. Okay, so now I'm just marinating in the stress. Oh, and by the way, please don't connect with other people because we really don't want you spreading the virus, which is valid. I'm not saying that's bad. Yeah. But what a, re- like, talk about a, a challenge mildest word I could use for it. Um, I want to use derogatory words that are inappropriate for podcasts <laughs> instead, but um, to have all of, like, everything that's primal that within us that we would want to gravitate toward, we were asked not to do. That typically helps us. Yes. Yes. Suddenly we can't. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. I struggled with it, too. Um, thank goodness we, we had the summer, and it was good weather, and um, we had to make a game of it because we refused to let our kids just be on devices, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, we're going to go, we go across the road to the local um, school and mm-hmm. we could play over there, you know, even though we couldn't be on the field or touch the playground or whatever it was, but we would, you know, ride our bikes and do something outside as a family that really helped us stay connected. I really felt for my seniors and those that are medically fragile or compromised because I'm teaching this um you know, 55 and over community. And, uh, I helped to convert those that were willing to go online when Mm -hmm. this happened. So we, of course, pulled back my in-person classes. I was doing on site at their, their, um, big conference hall thing that they have Mm -hmm. on their community. And they were just shut off from Mm -hmm. everything. So I reached out and said, look, I'm working with another organization. We're converting all of those, uh, exercise participants to digital or virtual are you guys interested? Because mm-hmm. now I've learned how to how to do that shift for people. Mm-hmm. And they, they've stuck with me. It's been a year. So I have a solid 10, sometimes a few more that, that pop on. But it's not like the 22 I was having in person, you know. Right. So I know there's people that are still isolated and alone and fearful or, yeah. you know, not getting out. And so um, anyway. Yeah, I mean... It, uh, what, so then what are you most looking forward to about, I mean, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, fi- whatever crossings we need to make, um, that the gradual sort of de-escalation from COVID measures uh, keeps going the way it seems to be. What are you most looking forward to? Um, reconnecting with people. I mean, we've stayed connected um, via Zoom or, mm-hmm. you know, WebEx, whatever people are using, but... Uh, there's nothing like the physical touch, you know, and not that I ever mm-hmm. put a hand on a client. That's not, I don't do that. But for them to be able to go and even just shake hands or high five their participant in class, the things that we yeah. need as human beings um, to actually be able to see someone smile without mm-hmm. a mask on. So that's one hesitation I have to going back in person is that it's hard to ask seniors to like wear a mask, you know, but right. We want to do what's safe and they're willing to do it that's fine but if i'm trying to like zoom <laughs> i can't wear a mask with people in the room you know so i've had to think about um okay well then it's going to be just a virtual versus in person and mm-hmm. virtual is that absolutely yeah. and yeah. so to get them back in the class would be great and some of them are not willing to come back with masks or when they unmask they want everybody to wear a mask i mean it's you know mm-hmm. everybody's got to have an opinion about it so yeah so, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, you absolutely did. So okay. it's like you're most looking forward to connecting to people yeah. is what I'm getting. It's just now the question becomes, it's the next level of creativity where it's oh, like, totally. how do I now, because every it's day is a little changing. bit different. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, just kidding. This is the new normal. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. How well, this and before it was like, we couldn't imagine our kids going to school with masks on. We're like, sweet, they get to go to school. And the ki- the masks are like the least of their worst. Yes. You know, <laughs> my exactly. son just went back to school last week and it was the best thing. I mean, he'd been tearful every day trying to log on and sit there and follow along and not fall behind and and I can't leave his side so I had to alter my work schedule and be able to sit there with him to nurture him through that um and that was that's hard to watch that was hard as a mom to watch and then to try and process that you know absolutely so So to have even the the, a sense of there's a space 
where my kid can go to that he can see other children (laughs) and be able to learn and get support. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Well, and I just say, how was your day? It was awesome. Good. Awesome. That's all I want to hear. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's like, okay, my heart just melted. But yes, um, I will miss my commute because I just walked to my garage (laughs) to my training space to Zoom with my clients, right? Now I'm actually going to have to get in my car and drive. Anyway, that's like the least of my worries. I'm joking, but. Well, and as things are opening up, are you, you know, looking for more clientele or are you you capped at max capacity? No, I'm always open to Mm -hmm. meet new people. And it's not always, like I always say, it's um, like a consult. Mm -hmm. Consult's free because I want you to feel comfortable with me. I might not be your first choice, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So... It's good to meet somebody, ask those questions, kind of interview them. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm always open to new clients. I just want to make sure that it's a good fit for them too. So. Absolutely. When yeah. if some fo- so if there was somebody who was listening to this who was like, I love this woman. I want to <laughs> connect with her. How? What, what's the best way to connect with you? Um, probably via email or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, email is probably the easiest way, and that's mm-hmm. at fitness evolved the number four and the letter U, mm-hmm. at uh, gmail.com. Okay. And I can also put that in the show notes sure. too, if you'd like. So. Even if there's questions or they want to connect to services, you know, the classes I'm teaching through Salem Health here, which Salem Health mm-hmm. helped, um, honestly, keep my Parkinson's class going. When mm-hmm. the YMCA had closed down and then they demolished and they're rebuilding, there was nowhere for my Pedaling for Parkinson's group to go. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to Nancy here and she was welcoming and brought the bikes over and and, we'll make it work oh man and when we get them they get to come back in person on the 29th they're so excited they it's booked it's full like they're so excited to come back so so great yeah I mean again it's and it keeps going back to uh, because it's not just the movement piece although that's a huge part of it it's also the connection piece it's like it's basically everything that makes us human Absolutely. To, to yeah. be able to, it's like I get to go and see other humans, which we're built to do, and I get to go move my body, which it's built to do, mm-hmm. and to feel that for a moment, that just sort of a release of all the tension of like, oh, a moment of normal. And Without a screen. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. No, and they, they share a, a common diagnosis with varying symptoms, and they mm-hmm. get to come in and support each other and do something good for their bodies and their minds at the same time, because we all know that it, you know, Movement is therapy. So the more you move, the better you feel. And it just has that continuous effect on you for the whole day. Yeah. And in life. Yeah, in life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you were to, in terms of like a, like a closing statement or it could be an elevator pitch or whatever, <laughs> you know, what, what would you say you would want? Like someone said, Aaron, when it comes to health, what would be your philosophy or, or sort of like, the thing you, if, if someone only had you for a couple of minutes, you're in an elevator with them, uh-huh. and they said, huh, interesting. Like, tell me about what is most important to you. What, what lights you up? What is it exactly that you do? However you want to phrase it. What would you say to folks is like, th- if you were to take one thing away from me, this is the thing I would want you to walk away with. Um, that I want them to feel better in their everyday life, moving, mm-hmm. um, and able to live their fullest life possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my cue would be to move more, <laughs> to find a partner in crime, because we do better when we have somebody by our side, an accountability partner, right? Oh, yeah. Even if that's me for a short time, or I can help connect somebody with, you know, I mean, that's kind of part of that coaching as a personal trainer. But um, like the Parkinson's group, you know, they've got each other and they reach out to each other and they're checking in with me even through COVID. Like I went for a walk today and I'm like, Woo-hoo! you know, <laughs> whatever it is, just somebody that can help encourage you. And cause sometimes it's not us. And if it's just us, it's hard to go. So that was yeah. a long two minutes. Sorry. No, move more, find a partner in crime and make it fun. Cause you're not going to do it if you don't enjoy it. Right. No so kidding. what feels good for you and or what sucks less? Right. Yes. Because so, you may not want to do any of it. But if you're like, oh, my dog really would enjoy this. I'm going to take him for a walk. OK, so then and through that, you're going to get better oxygenation. You're going to get the blood pumping. You're going to feel better and you're going to connect with your pet. Maybe meet a neighbor. I don't know. <laughs> Possibilities are endless. Right. Absolutely. Well, this has been amazing. I just, and thank you so much for being willing to come on and share not just your story, but your wisdom. Oh. Because I think 
anyone who hears it will, I mean, at, at least for me, it had an impact on me. So. Well, thanks for having me, Leah. Um, I really enjoyed it. Wonderful. So, yep, and uh, with that, I'll, I'll close. But uh, So it's salemhealth.org slash check if you're interested in more information. Uh, and it's Erin Club, and I'll put uh, her email in the show notes. That's me, club with two Bs. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Thank you.